Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Bird Calls. I am David Grubb, and I'm joined, as always, by senior writer of The Bird Rights, Mr. Ali Cosell. The Pelicans wrapped up the Las Vegas Summer League with a loss to the Philadelphia 76ers, finishing with a 3-2 record for the second straight year. The Pels are 11-4 and in Summer League play over the past three seasons, for whatever that's worth. <laughs> but, Ali, let's start with the most important player on the roster this summer, the guy that everything really in this conversation and all the conversations this summer centered around Dyson Daniels. You put a piece out on him about him on Monday discussing how much the organization put the weight behind these games. So what did they and what did we learn about Dyson Daniels this summer? Yeah, they said they were going to give the majority of their starters the heaviest amount of time with Dyson Daniels being the leader, right? They wanted to put the ball in his hands the most, put him in all these situations the most, basically recreate an NBA regular season as much as possible. And I think they accomplished that. And Dyson, I mean, outside of the shooting, and we'll get to that, I think he shined. Right, David? I mean, this was a guy who, when I dug into the numbers, it's actually amazing how poor he was offensively in almost every facet of the game. He was terrible in isolation. As a rookie. Not this summer, as a rookie. Excuse me, yeah. <laughs> Last regular season, right. Better make that uh, clear. Yeah, he, he was terrible in pick and rolls, transition, isolations, right? We saw him even when he had open lanes, right? Multiple times he'd pass up shots where he's trying passes into congestion rather than shooting an open shot. Or like I said, when he had a lane. So we didn't see any of that. We saw a guy that was flat out confident, right? I mean, he went two of 20 from three point range here in the summer league. And I don't think ever once he turned down a look, I thought he shot every single attempt with um, enough willingness and meaningful purposeful action that I didn't see that hesitation, right? Unlike last season. So on top of all that, Right. Great defender. Better rebounder, I think. Excellent facilitator. I think he's become a better facilitator. And I want us to dive into everything. But overall, for somebody who just turned 20 a couple of months ago, and remember, he's younger than a lot of these 2023 draft class, uh, including, you know, both of the Thompson twins, Brandon Miller. So he's legitimately, you know, one of the older than he is. Yes. Right. So you have to grade him, I think, on a scale more to something along their lines and somebody that's truly gained an experience, a, you know, a purposeful NBA season under his belt. Because remember last summer league got wiped out by an ankle injury. Then he had an ankle injury during the regular season. He was in and out of the rotation. And like I said, when you have no confidence, you're not really doing yourself any kind of good. You're not really learning out there. And so this was almost a fresh start. And I think we saw what hopefully would be, be a glimpse of what we're going to see during, you know, the regular season. I don't think Ollie, there was no role carved out for him last season. You know, he was a luxury item. The expectation for him at the, even at the eighth pick 
coming into the season, same with Jordan Hawkins this year, playing big minutes would have meant either someone was hurt or it meant that he had exceeded all expectations and it just thrust himself into the lineup. And he had to play because people got hurt. And the, the thing that kept him on the floor was his defense. Um, but yeah, there was there wasn't a lot of confidence for him offensively because I think there was never a role for him offensively. There was never time for him to develop any kind of purpose offensively. His he, as far as you you could you could tell, as as you said, as soon as he got the ball, it seemed like he was let me give it to somebody who knows what they're supposed to do with it. If it wasn't in transition, if he wasn't throwing it ahead, he he really did not want to take the burden on of running the offense. But as you said, it's clear that Casey Hill and the rest of the coaching staff, whether in practice or as a point of emphasis through Casey Hill, they wanted Dyson to handle the basketball. And we saw him do that facilitating. We saw him score in the mid post. We saw him attack the rim with two hands and finish through contact. We saw him go to the free throw line an extended number of times, get to double digit attempts in games, something that he did not do. Um, you know, I, I think you could go weeks and not add up to double digit free throw attempts for Dyson at times last season. So to me, everything that you wanted to be a positive for Dyson, he's bigger, he's stronger, he's better. No, he's not a starter, but he shouldn't be this year, but he can definitely be a contributor in a top eight rotational player. Right, and you have to have hope, right? Because we saw enough out of him early, and I mean early last season, right? Basically in preseason, maybe the first week or so, to where you saw the glimpse of the talent, and it wasn't just defensively, right? Because look, he's six foot eight, and he can jump with the best of them to me in terms of when you're attacking glass, when you're trying to be a rim protector. There's so many ways that we saw him impact winning is why I think we all got excited about him early. But then that confidence got eroded. And as you alluded to, I mean, I remember, David, even in transition, he'd get a rebound, and it'd be on him to push the ball. He wouldn't even do that, right? He'd be trying to shovel it to somebody else to bring it up, and and it almost would result in a turnover sometimes. So, fortunately, we haven't seen any of that. And what's impressive to me is he's been able to do all this in just a couple of months, right? So, he's he's improved on his strength. He's worked on his shot. And I think that shot will come. I think that the form is vastly different. I think his mentality is different. I think it's just now just about getting the results. And just like with Herb, you just got to give it time. But everything else, like Casey Hill said, the most important thing is he's got to play downhill. So offensively, you can't be a liability. You can't always just look to make a pass and not even look at the rim, right? I mean, you're even taught to do these things at college and even beforehand often, right? Like in high school. And Dyson, unfortunately, wasn't doing that. But because of the injuries last season, Willie Green was forced to play him. And you're right. Defensively, he could still give them something. But now, like I said, I'm hopeful. Two months off time, and he's able now to display this. And if he can work on this some more, maybe work on that shot a little bit more, well, he can suddenly enter training camp and be, you know, right there in the thick of being one of the first guys off the bench, right? And especially if, say, Herb struggles or somebody gets injured, he could potentially step into what I think could be like a 25-, 30-minute role. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing with him is – on a team that does not have a lot of height, and we'll deal with that too. We'll talk about that a little in a little bit. But a team that doesn't have a lot of height, you need people who create havoc, create turnovers. He blocks shots. He tied for the t- you know he's second on the team in block shots, and then he he gets steals and he creates. He gets t- same like Herb. He gets his hand on 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 basketballs. He gets out there and he he touches basketball. So you know those types of things are things you can't replicate 
And for the Pelicans, I think we know that they're the they're at their best when they're in transition and creating mismatches because of that the fact that when you don't know who to cover, all these six, eight, six, seven guys. And Dyson can be one of those guys in transition. And if he can be confident, like you said, and he catch and shoot more than anything, because we saw him use the floater. We saw him add the floater during the summer. And if a six, eight guy can be accurate with his floater and he's willing to post up and, and shoot that mid-range hook, you know, mid-post hook shot. If he can do those things against second unit defenses, what else are you asking for in year two? Exactly. And I think his way to get points, right, is offensive putbacks, transition. And like you mentioned, I think people can't overlook this. Getting to the line of an average of, I think, was 6.2 trips in summer league, that's such an impressive leap over what he did last season. So there's going to be ways for him to score, even if that jumper, say, maybe it takes another full year right before he gets it. But I think, like I've been saying, I, I have trust in it. I have trust in him. I have trust in his work ethic. And yeah, David, it's promising. I, I think the biggest thing moving forward is going to be determining his exact role. Mm-hmm. I think the Pelicans, of course, they don't have a true facilitator, right? And I'm not sure if Dyson Daniels will ever develop into one. But I'll tell you what, he could probably play point forward for you. Probably even some point center, right? Once he fully grows into his body, I, I see a small Ben Simmons out there. I really do. I was noticing that this summer league to where he's so much bigger and active than the competition on basically every single play, right? Whether it's going for an offensive rebound, um, just making these touch passes, right? The right reads. That, that was another thing that stood out, right? He was terrible yeah, he, in those pick and rolls, like I mentioned. But the fact is he didn't force anything. So if the pick and roll was there, he took it. If not, he passed it to the, you know, the big on the wing or on the elbow. He seemed to make all the right reads, and that's something we didn't see last year either. So, David, I, I just think he's a basketball player that's going to fit right in. He can complement this roster because he has and brings so many different skills to the table. And, and still in a summer league environment that's a high turnover environment, he was still better than two to one on assist-to-turnover ratio and, and, and with teammates that he doesn't know. You know what I'm saying? Like there were nights where guys were – he should have had more assists – but these, these are guys who couldn't make shots. And this is a lot of a lot of guys on this team overall just struggled to make shots. And I think, you know, Dyson was flirting with triple doubles on a nightly basis because he was willing to do a little bit of everything. And again, you can't you can't stress how important that is to have on your bench. Say the guy can do that on your bench. Um, let's talk about the other three guys who we know have guaranteed, you know, roster spots. Uh Darion Sebrun uh led the team in scoring. Um to me, Ali, it, it, we know exactly what he is. He's a straight line drive scorer, not really a jump shooter. Shot a high percentage, but most of that came because he was driving relentlessly. Um, shot decent from the free throw line, is not a three-point shooter or a threat at all from deep, and isn't is, is a mediocre defender. I mean, he's the Pelicans have given him a deal, but I think that he's a long shot at best to see time on the floor. Of course, and I think it shows the fact that he just received, right, about a month ago, another two-way contract. So the plan for him seems set. Take another step, and then we'll come back to the table. But otherwise, we still need you to improve on a lot of things. And I think Casey Hill mentioned that after, I believe, game two, to where he said, when you play elite, when you play to your strengths, you can be elite out there. But otherwise – you know, you're, you're honestly not that good. I mean, he, he was very frank with his words, but I hope people just understood what he was trying to say. 
And that is Sebron really does have kind of right for right now, a limited skill set on what he brings. He loves to attack the rim. And I thought as this uh, summer league progressed, David, I honestly thought he got better, right? That first game, what do you have? Seven, eight turnovers. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I pointed out, I remember, is that it wasn't just the turnovers. It was the fact that anytime he got touches, the ball stopped, right? It seemed like he needed a second to survey the floor, figure out what he was going to do. As for by these last few games, he he, he knew what he was go- doing basically upon the catch. So he was more in the flow, right, of the system that he's got to fit into if he's going to ever see playing time. So I like that. I also like that his rebounding and then pushing um, helped, right? I think he and Dyson started playing better off of one another. But the biggest thing is I saw finally some flashes defensively. Now, granted, a lot of it came in transition, right? Like in the last game, big block. He had another steal in transition where Philly, I think, had a two-on-one, and he stripped the ball and shot it back the other way. But still, I didn't see any kind of breakdown. So it gives me hope, but he's going to have to show something else, right? If if you're not going to have that outside shot, if you're not going to be a main facilitator, and I don't think he is, right? He hasn't shown us any kind of vision, say, even compared to Dyson. So for him, the key is going to be be a bucket by playing to your strengths, by pushing it, and, of course, defensively, being above average. And he's not he's not either one of those right now. So I just don't see that spot for him. Um, EJ Liddell closed very strong um, with a very solid game against the 76ers. We talked about this last week. Summer League is not really a place for big men. I mean, you saw even the high drafted bigs, first rounders and stuff. Numbers were not there for a lot of those guys, the role playing big men. And he's a tweener at that. I think the plan for the Pelicans and EJ is really to groom him as a Larry Nance type, that guy who can defend the three, the four, and the five as an undersized big, hit some mid-range, be active around the rim on the offensive glass. No doubt. I think it's a shoo-in on what he's going to be in this league, right? And that is at maybe times you play the three or the five, but predominantly at the four. Um, Some really small, small ball type of center actions for him. Because he's going to have to improve, one, right, in terms of weak side defense, right, actually posing a threat at the rim. Because while Larry's only 6'7", he does a much better job of that right now. Also on the glass, I thought EJ really didn't make any kind of mark there. I mean, he kind of walked into most of his rebounds, I thought. But granted, I was also very impressed by the fact that, remember, you got to grade him on a scale. This guy had been playing, what, five on five for less than a month, right? And nothing competitive until now. So I like the fact that no moment was too big for him, right? He made 18 of 18 free throws. He made, remember, those last three in the last game with five seconds left just to kind of give the Pels a chance to tie or win that game. Knocked them all down with ease. And I like offensively, David, he's a guy that he knows he's not going to beat most people, right, off the dribble or even, you know, you know going from baseline to baseline. But what he always used was his smarts, right, on when he was going to shoot the layup, put back dunk, right? He looked for the space and he could feel guys. He almost gave me the sense that he played kind of like the way I remember David West, right? I don't want to say too much about David because, granted, he was an all-star and he really, you know, topped out with his skill set and his abilities. But I think for EJ, who should be more athletically, we've got to give that time, right? But I could see him playing with that kind of same demeanor, right, that thought process because there was a guy that just didn't seem to be phased by anything, right? And, and he made all the right plays. And remember, this is for a guy that didn't play at all. So I've got hope that he could become, say, a more offensively gifted Larry Nance, right? Because let's face it, Larry's no good away from the rim. He can hit an occasional corner three. But other than that, maybe some passes. Larry's you can't a good get passer. Larry. 
Larry has a good, is good has good vision as a passer, but yeah, not really a threat. And I think yeah, EJ has a, is a more round, well rounded offensive skill set. Um, it's clear his basketball IQ is high, and as Aaron Summers last week told us, you know what he's showing in practice. There, he's showing more there, more of his skill set there because it's it's again summer league is not the place. It just is not the guard play is is poor enough at the NBA level in feeding bigs. You're talking about trying to get bigs going in the summer where it's guys, 80% of the players are guards and wings who want to make shots. So it's just, it's a really tough thing, but I, I agree with you on the rebounding barely like under three boards a game. And and that's, that's surprising in the amount of time that he got and the amount of shots that are missed. You know what I mean? Like it, that's yeah. the other part, the amount of shots that are missed. He wasn't pulling down a, a really strong percentage. Um, yeah, but real quick, we got to say F, rebounding is usually like multiple efforts, right? Yes. You've got to find a man, box him out, then go after the, the board, right? Because in summer league, everybody's diving after that ball. And I think EJ just didn't trust his body enough yet. We'll see, though. We'll see, we'll see by training camp. We'll see what yeah. his body is like then. Um, Jordan Hawkins last, the first round draft pick. He never found his shot. It, and that's just it, – it's really what it is. He looked – Physically um, under undermanned, you know, he wasn't overmatched, excuse me. Um, and he, But he, you can tell he's a basketball player. Like he knows what he's doing. He knows where to go. He knows how to, to get to the right spots. He understands his game. It's just that he never found his shot. He didn't take bad shots. The shots didn't look particularly awful. But when you watch a kid shoot 50-something percent from the line and shoot 20% from three and shoot 30% from overall, who is a pure shooter, it tells me he just it, it, he either, you know, just mentally, it was all just so much for him. Games three and four did him in where I think he made just a total of right two field goals and about what? Three shots. He made three of 23 in those two games. Okay. Yeah. See, but I thought in the last game, David, I saw that shooter in him, right? To where not only did he get to his spot, not only did he elevate and not make it such a difficult off balance attempt. Um, I also thought that he shot the ball just more confidently, right? He had a couple that touched nothing but net, right? It wasn't just threes. There was a couple from mid-range too. So I, I think the stroke's definitely there. I, you, you don't go through Connecticut, win a championship with the offense being uh, run through you when you're such a good shooter, right? So this, this shooting was just an aberration for me. But I'll tell you what, I'm glad you mentioned there's other things that he did because look, for instance, let's start here. Dyson Daniels led the team with nine steals, but guess what? Jordan Hawkins also had nine steals. Now, the the two guards, we always talk about Sebron and Daniels dominating pretty much a glass here in summer league. But guess what? Hawkins wasn't that far away from them. So for a guy that's a lot smaller um, and a guy that's not, you know, never played against NBA competition before, right, not even in the G League, I thought he acquitted himself really well. And remember, my favorite thing is he had a tooth knocked out. I think there's a lot of players today, David, that might call it a summer league, right? If, if they even just lose a tooth, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. He instead got that fixed, got back out there. And like I said, I like the composure by him. And I seem to be saying that a lot about this Pelicans team, but it seems like a lot of them do exemplify that, right? I mean, Daniels to an extent, EJ a lot. And I think Jordan did as well. How many times do you see him sulk right after two or three misses in a row? I didn't see it. I still saw he's a guy he's running back on defense. I mean, like- to play. I mean, for him to take 13 shots, the, the first night it was one for 13, the second was two for 12, or one for 11, and the other was two for 12. And it's like for him to keep taking the shots, knowing that those are his, a lot of rookies would have said, I'm shutting it down. You know, yeah. like, 
And you can tell the coaching staff, his teammates keep finding him, you know, because we saw it every time they talked about him, whether it was the vets who were watching practice or the other guys, they said his jumper's wet. Mm-hmm. His jumper's wet. The first night Steve Smith is talking about, he looks like a shooter to me. Shooters recognize other shooters. So I think, you know, it, and and as Antonio Daniels said, as I, it's about confidence. He doesn't have it yet. He's, he's going to get it back. This is a guy, you know, he's going to get it back. We've seen him struggle in his college career. I think he's going to get it back. I'm, and again, the pressure is not going to be on him to produce early. No one's asking Jordan Hawkins to come off the bench and give the Pelicans double digits every night. David, what do you think are the odds that he even gets into the rotation? If everybody's healthy for the first two months, do you think he gets some run that's not in garbage time? No, he shouldn't. Yeah. Not If everybody's healthy, no. He should not be getting run because then you should be winning, right? Your guard depth should be holding up and you should be winning if, if, if everyone is healthy. This team, he shouldn't be getting minutes in the first half, and I think that's the best thing for him. Mm-hmm. We've seen it with these. We saw it, I mean – there's some of these guards, it, it, that adjustment, I think, physically is the biggest part for a kid like him. Mm-hmm. But you see it. If he can rebound, and he had a game, I think when he had a game where he almost had double-digit rebounds, he's a space rebounder, which is what you want from a guard. Like, you know, we've seen Steph Curry over the years, who was not the biggest middle guard, but got bigger over the years and has filled out some, but always was able to grab five, six boards because he knew where long shots were coming off and how to turn those into breaks. If that's what Jordan Hawkins can bring to this team, picking up some long rebounds and turning those up court and getting those into transition opportunities, that's a skill set that, quite frankly, a lot of the guards on this team don't have. Yeah, I love the fact that you mentioned that. Opportunistic rebounders are so, I think, undervalued amongst guards in this league. And for a team like the Pelicans, you know, we always lamented when Jonas Valanciunas took to the bench or Billy Hernan Gomez really wasn't having one of his better games. Where was the rebounding going to come from? And oftentimes, C.J. McCollum, right, he ended up with five, six, seven rebounds just because really there was nobody else. So I think Jordan Hawkins kind of fits this team just from that standpoint alone. The shooting's a given, but it's what else can he give you? The biggest question I have moving forward for him is, yeah, I saw him do some straight line drives, know when to cut, have some strong finishes at the rim, uh, good elevation, decent athleticism. But I'm wondering if he's going to be able to give you anything more with the dribble in time. I think that's my big only, really the only question with him. I think he's going to get a little bit stronger. I think he's going to be able to guard a lot of ones, maybe some twos in this league, just by default. He's going to figure them out, figure out the game. Like I said, get strong enough right. to where I don't think he's ever going to get pull, pushed around like, say, a Jordan Poole, who didn't even honestly care to play defense most times. I think Jordan cares. But the question for me is, like, the difference from becoming any kind of, say, a rotation player coming off the bench to maybe ever seeing starting minutes is can he ever develop a good handle? Because we kind of saw, right, turnovers aplenty when teams start paying attention to him. He's going to have to be able to play some lead guard at, you know, just on occasion. Maybe in a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Down the road. Um, Let's go to the questions because a lot of questions um, were kind of repetitive and we want to get into them. Um, Not repetitive in a bad way, but number one, is there anyone on this summer league team worthy of a two way or should they continue to shop around? Um, I think we're in agreement, right? We're in agreement on this one. I think so. Go ahead. Yeah. Landers Nolly. I mean, he made six of nine threes. I mean, that should tell you enough 
that, hey, the Pelicans should strongly consider adding him because it's not just two two two-way contracts teams have now, it's three. So even if the Pelicans, and I think they've got one of them reserved for uh, Josh uh, Robbins, there's still that third one. I think Nolly acquitted himself well because, boy, the way he played off of Daniels and Sebron in that last game shows you what he can do. Right, You don't want to ask him, almost just like Jordan Hawkins for right now, to create any kind of offense. But he's another guy that can find the seams. And guess what? Because so much focus being paid to other guys, he can make them pay. And really, you don't have to look any further than just how many turnovers he had in 86 games. Or excuse me, 86 minutes. David, get this, three. Mm -hmm. Right? This guy is not going to go out there and suddenly try and do something he's not capable of. So I think you'd like that in, in those type of role players that sit towards the end of your bench. Right. When you need a Luke Kennard to come in and maybe hit three or four or five threes, something along those lines, I could definitely see Landers kind of carve out that role maybe in a couple of years' time. So yeah, I would definitely take a chance on him. He's bigger than than he than he than I thought he was, you know, even from college. He looks a little bit bigger. Um, but the the thing that impressed me the most was again, his release is so quick. Oh, um but his second shot, we saw him follow up shots. Uh, and get back to the rim. We saw him follow up shots and get the mid-range jumper. You know, his, his shooting intellect, he understands where he needs to be. He just moves correctly for an offensive player. And he didn't take anything away defensively. He was not a poor defender. Um, he's a good team defender. He needs to develop, clearly. That's why he's in the position he's in. But again, that skill set, as you talk about, he can shoot the basketball flat out. Shot a 50% overall for the floor, you know, almost 60% from three overall. Just he, he, and, he, and I think he just was a smart, intelligent. He's, he fits the profile of the guys that they have given chances to and that it's paid off. And I think he would pay off amongst the group that we've seen. If, uh, if anybody, you're going to take the risk on a two way, he seems to be the one. I do um, because he's not an undersized guy, right? We, you mentioned it, but yes, yeah, six foot seven and being able to play some two, some three. He's got the size to do it. Yeah. Look at what Memphis always churns out, right? Guys that can stretch the floor. He's you bigger than Desmond Bain. But they're so lethal and they play within themselves. Those guys are valuable. Yeah, I think he's bigger than Desmond Bain. Desmond oh, Bain. Easily. Yeah, Desmond's shorter. He's 6'5-ish, I think. With, yeah. with short arms, too. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to develop into that, but I'm just – as an offensive threat, I think Nolly is – you know, the, the skill set, again, that he brings – the ability to move without the basketball. He doesn't have to put it on the deck to score. He doesn't have to. He gets that shot off very quickly, and he can do it from with a man in his face, too. So I just yeah, – uh, like We got to mention, too, the Pelicans have guys that they like, right? I think we mentioned on the last podcast, grinders. So the Jose Alvarados, Herb Joneses, um, Dyson Daniels, everybody's got a spot for them, Larry Nance, but you need somebody to compliment them. And that's what's always killed them, right? I think Landers, as we saw, especially in that last game, he fits this Pelicans team to a T with the speciality that he brings. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of folks asked about Liam Robbins, what he could bring, but it's Liam, I said Josh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Liam. <laughs> but, but look, as far as Liam, the, it's clear the organization is super high on him. They don't put him on the summer league roster, knowing he's not going to play and then invite him to training camp, knowing he's not going to be ready until training camp, unless they pretty much guaranteed this guy a two-way contract at the very least. He's, I mean, he's not going anywhere. No, no, definitely not. I mean, I wish I could talk about him, but, you know, we haven't seen him dribble a basketball, right? So 
all we've got to go on is by what he did in college, what some, you know, reputable scouts have said, written up uh, analysis on him. But he sounds like a guy that can help, right? And I'm telling you what, the Pelicans need for him to turn out. Because even though Carlo Matkovich, I thought, finished the summer league on a high note, right? Games three and four went a lot better than one and two for him. He's definitely at least going to spend another year in Europe, and he needs to. But behind uh, Jonas Valanciunas and, you know, Cody Zeller, you want to have somebody that's a little more dynamic and especially a rim protector. I'm very curious if Robbins can give them anything, right? Well, aren't you curious at all? Yeah, if he can, like I said, if he can be a, a poor man's uh, splash mountain, you know, block shots and, and and hit the occasional three and set good screens, he's going to find time. They're going to, I mean, that's all he's got to do. If he can do those three things, he'll, he'll get to play. Um, the the big question, of course, that everybody asks, Holly, CJ moving to the bench, Trent, who, with the starting lineup question, who should be the five? Um, I'll let you handle this one first. I think unless, boy, unless somebody really slips and falls off a cliff <laughs> right in uh, training camp, you're going to go with the same starting five that we saw Willie Green roll with last year. There's undoubtedly a confidence they have with Herb Jones in it. So I don't care how well Trey Murphy plays. I just don't see Willie making that move, right? When you've got the entire coaching staff saying, that's the quarterback of our defense. And when you look at who he's surrounded by, again, I don't know how this team stops anybody makes any kind of impact when you've got Ingram, Zion, and Valanciunas out there, right? You need Herb. So that's not even a starter for me. But you're right. I think in due time, CJ is the one you look at. Right. Say he struggles for a month or two. Maybe he starts slowing down a little bit more. And right now I haven't seen any evidence of that. Right, David, when he wasn't injured last year, he was fantastic. I mean, he carried this team for a couple of months once when Zion went down, then Brandon Ingram, but he was so consistent. And I think that's probably what we can expect. Right. He doesn't rely on excessive athleticism. He's just got a, a wide variety of great moves, right words, savvy. Yeah, and he just knows how to play. And I'm very curious to see how he's going to play, say, off of guys. He's somebody that I think is going to try and do that. Look, as a spot-up shooter, it's hard to find somebody probably better than, say, CJ staying on the weak side if you're B.I. or Zion. So it's just hard just for me to see Willie Green making any changes, say, for at least maybe the first half of the season. Again, it's it's maturity. You know, this team still doesn't have a ton of it. You're not going to ask Zion to come in at that level and, and make the t- starting lineup younger. It, was, it just doesn't make sense. And it's not about starting minutes. It's about, to me, in my mind, it's about total minutes and who's closing. And I think that more nice than not, Trey will be in the closing group. You're going to see him in that closing group. But I think the case also for not starting him is the Manu Ginobili case, which which we've made um, in, in group chat is, and, you know, you know that there's time that like they knew that man who had to operate on his own, like he could not operate all the time with Timmy and Tony. He needed his space to just do Manu stuff and to score in bunches. If he, if he was rolling, they let him go and everybody got out the way. Trey to me has that type of scoring ability that you want him to have moments where it's just get Trey buckets. And I see a second unit, with Jose and Dyson mm-hmm. and Herb and Trey and whomever you're putting up front with Larry. Larry. And those guys are creating havoc and getting Trey looks in transition, him running the floor, in transition, him getting threes in the half court off of movement, 
all of those things where for him, for those eight to 10 minutes a night, it's the Trey Murphy show and he's getting his buckets. I think as a starter, you're trying to get Zion going. You're trying to get Jonas going. You're trying to get B.I. going. You're trying to get C.J. going. And you're going to have to try to get, get Trey going too. I think it makes things a little bit too hard and guys start falling back into who's supposed to get shots. You take Trey out of that starting lineup, you know he's getting shots with the second unit. You know he's going to get those there. And then when he comes back with the starters, he compliments them and you keep playing mixed match the rest of the way. Yeah, whether it's right or wrong, there's a natural hierarchy, right, in terms of who's going to be getting the shots. We know this. I mean, you don't even have to have played basketball to know this. Your two stars, they're going to lead the team in shot attempts, right? Zion and Brandon Ingram. So suddenly Trey, at best case scenario, third in shot attempts. But wait, there's CJ. And there's no way I think CJ is ready in this this point in his career to take that much of a step back, right? So shots a game? Yeah, he's going to be third no matter what. So Trey's best hope if he's a starter is fourth. And I don't think any of us want to go through again to where he gets maybe one shot, maybe one touch a quarter, right, with that starting lineup. And I know that they did a much better down the stretch finding him, but guess what? Zion wasn't playing, right? There was a lot of guys that were hurt, and they desperately needed his offense. And I just don't think if they're healthy, it'll ever play out like that. So for in the meantime, when CJ's starting, yeah, David, you made the case. Trey's got to come off the bench, and there's nothing wrong with that. Can you imagine having a 20-point score, some guy that can – or some nice he can blow up for 30, say, in about 20 minutes because his shot's that lethal? Trey can be that difference maker. Um, it's 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 a role. It is a real role. And, and, and teams that have an elite guy like that um, off the bench, uh, it's, it's getting fewer and far between. So if you have an elite guy coming off the bench – and the Pelicans are in that luxury. You don't have to load up all at one time and put all your weapons on the table at one time. I think it balances the bench out too because where is your shooting coming from if you start Trey? Where is your shooting on your bench coming from? You're putting the entire burden on your your second unit on who, Jordan? You're asking Herb, Jose, who is not a volume three-point shooter. You don't want him to be, yeah. And you don't want him to be. Who is your volume three-point shooter then coming off the bench? So you know what I'm saying? So I, I don't think it it, it 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 unbalances your offense in too many ways. And I think it also diminishes what the versatility that you do have in Herb Jones, who can play the two, the three, the four, and the five, depending on the lineups, and defend all of those, and maybe and can defend the one. So I think his flexibility allows you to play with so many different parts that that's what James Borrego and that's what Willie Green are going to have to figure out. That's their job. Yeah, David, this is one thing we also need to mention. Fortunately, right, for the team, for Willie, for fans, Trey's not going to be that guy that's going to ruffle up the locker room demanding he start. He's not going to do some kind of holdout, not cause some kind of antics. He's probably one of the best team players that we've ever seen, especially at his age, right, come in and really take to that that type of role mentality right away. And I don't think that's going to change. Because I asked David Griffin at the season in presser, you know, you've got kind of an issue or maybe a problem on your hands because you've got six starters when fully healthy, but you can only play five. And it looks like it may kind of come down to Herb and Trey. And he mentioned he didn't really give me the answer I was looking for, but he went right with the whole Trey. Yeah, he, he's always going to do what's best for the team. And look, you just tell Trey that his time's coming and he knows it. He, he He's not stupid. He knows that he's going to be a starter for a long time, but at least for right now, his role still is off the bench and it can be a good one. I mean, if this Pelicans team gets out and scores like they should, right, 120 points a game, 
he's going to have plenty of attempts, right? His career arc is still going to be going up and he's still going to get that good contract. So there's nothing really to worry about if you're Trey. No, he's going to be a starter. He's got a chance to be six man of the year this year, possibly. Mm -hmm. And he's got a chance again to be most improved player. We've seen it with Pascal Siakam. You know what I'm saying? So that leap is there for Trey to, to make it. I think that it, it starter or reserve, he can do it. Um, the last question was, do you think that there's another move this offseason for this team? I don't think that they're going to make any other major moves, obviously, this offseason. I think David Griffin's going to go into camp with what he has, and then he's going to start the season. And as he has the last couple of years, he's going to see what happens from there. It's all dependent on Zion's health. Yeah, I agree. When they couldn't trade up and nab Scoot Henderson in the draft, when maybe the first few hours of free agency started and you didn't hear anything, I knew right away that this roster was largely going to stay intact. Now, granted, I don't think that's probably going to be the case up until, uh, say, right before the trade deadline, but for right now it is. The only way that changes, say, is if a Damian Lillard trade happens and you've got to involve four teams. And maybe there's a way for the Pelicans to get their dream center. But other than that, you just have to think, right, if James Harden goes back to Philly, if the Dame trade is executed by Miami without anyone's help, yeah, there's nothing really for them to do, right, to improve this roster. Nope. Um, with Summer League in the rearview mirror, folks, the next real action for any basketball you want involving Pelicans players, you got to wait till you see Brandon Ingram and Jose Alvarado mm-hmm. playing for Team USA and Puerto I think Rico. Say, I think it's August 4th, right? Yeah. Oh, no, it's later than that. Oh, it it's is. End of August into early September. It's like August I thought, 20th. David, I thought they play exhibition games before the real stuff starts in early August. Well, there's, uh. I think, I think, yeah, but the, the, the World Cup is not until. Oh, no, no, I know. No, but I'm August. talking about like the exhibition stuff. Yeah. I think US might play Puerto Rico. Well, first. Yeah, there, there's some, there's some exhibitions. Yeah. 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 So but the, the real stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you but, expect from Brandon Ingram, by the way? You think I'm he's, hoping more, that, he's one of the best players, a leader, something like that? Like, I mean, this is – you look at the – like, I think he has the, the Carmelo I, Anthony opportunity. Mm-hmm. The international game is made for a guy like B.I., a scorer like him. You know, a lot of those pull-up mid-range jumpers, there's a lot of, like, space to operate and a lot of catch-and-shoot opportunities. So I think B.I. is perfectly suited for it. And um, he can be he could be the team's leading scorer if he wants to take that role. But more importantly, I want to see how he interacts. And if he starts, if he's a guy who's, you know, hey, let's go. If if crunch time, is he one of the guys who's there in the last five, five minutes of the ballgame? That's what you want to see him emerge as. I agree. And I also don't mind if, say, he starts getting into the ear of one or two of those players and trying to talk them into maybe someday coming to New Orleans. Because I've read the stories. You know the stories, too. Winning always helps. Right. Most of these packs made by players that join up happen during any kind of Team USA activities. Right? So if Brandon Ingram, you know, I, I don't know how he is in private and sweet-talking some guys up or trying to raise the glamour and joining him. But, hey, I think there's a chance, right? I'm not, I'm not going to rule it out. It never hurts. It never hurts to talk. You know what I mean? It never hurts to talk. Uh, training camp. All the way September 26th. So, folks, it's a ways away. We got two months until that. But we will be back each and every week, at least once a week, until um, we get to that part of the year. But we'll still be with you. And, of course, uh, check everything out on thebirdrights.com, including Ollie's new piece on Dyson Daniels and his development this summer. And if you're watching this on YouTube, 
hit the subscribe button. If you're listening to the podcast, like us, give us a five-star rating, share us, and um, <laughs> follow us on social media. He's at Ali Cosell. I'm at DM Grove. And look for Hard to Paint Sports wherever uh, you go to social media. Ali, any final words before we get out of here? Nah. Yeah, I think you covered it. I, I'm just not looking forward to talking about when the schedule get released, right? People make such a big deal about it. I, I'm going to be asleep for that entire week. <laughs> we don't do schedule release parties, Ali. Uh, people read so much into it, and they say, oh, it's going to pan out like this, like this. It never does. Never does. All right. For Ali Cassell, I'm David Grubb, and this has been Virgo.